0: Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. What we talked about last week is if you really look in those moments, you'll see that they were feeling the same pains that we always feel in very real ways. And so, like when you recognize that on Easter Sunday, which we're here celebrating, we're dancing, we're singing, the first Easter Sunday, everyone was crying. They were disunified, and they were separated. And so that's actually where Easter starts. Now, you know Peter, and you know John, and you know Philip and Nathaniel, and you know know the rest of them, John, uh, Thomas, he's right there. Um, you know these people, what they did one year later when they're at their big celebration, their big Easter celebration? We're like, yeah, we knew the whole time. Yeah, we had, like, oh, my God, this is such a great day. I remember this year, I and mean, then I was telling everyone, y'all were in doubt, and I was saying, no, y'all just got to believe. But if you actually look in that moment, because, you know, that's what we do, right? Uh, if you look in that moment, uh, they were broken. And they were broken in the face of the biggest breakthrough in all of their lives and all of any of our lives. And I think that's something that when we're looking at it, we're like, yeah, that makes that seems more real. (laughs) You know, that's that's maybe a bit more where we're at sometimes, you know. And so we're going to jump into some section of scripture and it's going to be awesome. And I'm super excited just to set the scene of where we're at. Oh, Jesus had his last supper. Right. We just said that in communion. Jesus went up, and then, you know, Peter was, like, cutting ears off of people, and Jesus is putting ears back onto people and being like, Peter, what are you doing? You know, Peter's being tough. He's got a sword. He's flailing it around. And um, then you see Peter runs. And then you see later Jesus gets slapped in the face, and you see that Peter sees that, and Peter runs, you know, and it's like. Where's the sword? <laughs> like, you know, like, like he was so willing to jump into it when he was right next to Jesus. But when he let separation kind of occur, he was, he was more willing to run. He was more willing to flee. And so that's actually the setting that we're in is we're going to see a bunch of people who let a gap happen between them and God. And that's why they were willing to run. Um, but one person, and I think that's going to be a really key thing we talk about today. One person didn't, amen, and her name is Mary Magdalene, and if you actually follow the story of Jesus, she's at the cross, and then if you follow the story of Jesus, she's in the tomb, and then you'll see that everyone leaves the tomb, but she stayed, and we're going to talk about her a little bit today. And we're going to talk about the fact that John thinks he's better than Peter. Just for fun. Amen. So let's go to uh, John chapter 20. And we're going to go to verse 1. Can I say John chapter 20? (laughs) Verse 1. All right. Uh, This is a good time. Uh, If you guys want to throw that up on the screen. uh, We're going to start and stop a lot in this section of scripture. uh, Because there's a lot to say and not enough time to say it in. So I'm just going to drop my little nuggets and then we'll talk about our main topic that we're looking to talk about today. Now the first day of the week... Sunday. Um, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. Now, if you read Mark, if you read Matthew, and I think if you read Luke also, they mention at this point in the story, Mary's actually with two other women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and a lady whose name I just can't even pronounce. Like It looks like Salami or like Salome. So, Mary, Mary, and Salami for the sake of the conversation. But no, that's not her name. It's just That's just the situation we found ourselves in, and we're just going to keep rolling with it. Um, So, the Marys and Salami went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and they saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I'd cry and freak out and think zombies, but that's not where they're at right now. Uh, Then she ran, which, again, zombies, like, she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which, real quick, that's John, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she came and she was talking to Peter and the one Jesus loved. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're just, we're starting that. Like, it's just already here. It's just firmly planted that John's like, I wrote the book. I get to decide what's in it. And in this particular moment, Jesus talked to two people. He talked to the one he loved and he talked to Peter. Um, which, <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel like uh, we, it's something we say a lot in this church because I stole it straight from a uh, bishop himself, T.D. Jakes. Um, and he says a lot of times we, we expect grace That we don't give to others, right? So we expect people to get through their stuff really quickly, but we expect people to understand when we're in our situation, right? Um, I think that's hilarious. That's There's John, and that's his thing, you know? (laughs) And and, and we're just going to experience it through this whole time. And she said to them, um, they have taken away the Lord out of the... And they have taken... Oh my gosh, I'm so gone. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they laid him. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple, dude, you got to stop. <laughs> You're throwing me off, bro. <laughs> Where are we at? I'm so lost. Okay, so they ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Let's pause. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we are again, right? Here, here we got John. Letting you know. Is it relevant? But you need to know, right? You need to know who won the race. Peter probably didn't even know they were racing. But John won the race, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it's like usually when I read the Bible, I identify with Peter. I'm identifying with John right now, you know? Like, like everyone wants to be a Paul, but I'm the punk who's like, and I beat Thomas in the race, right? Because that's how we are. And then he's Peter being like, I didn't even know we were racing. I'm just so humble in this moment. And I'm like, yeah, you can be humble in the back because I'm humble up front. And so we just keep running our race, and I keep winning my prize, you know what I'm saying? And so they ran together, but the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first happy easter y'all i'm I'm done um verse five (laughs) and he stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloths lying there yet he did not go in then simon peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there one second um i've been building up a joke this whole time because for one it's funny but for two so we can actually talk about something uh, John is the last one of the disciples to write his gospel. Um, His is not as near as the rest. (laughs) You know, like most of everyone's dead by the time John's book is coming out, right? Um, And so we see a moment for John to show (laughs) how great he is. And we actually see that he deferred. And so John's actually writing from the perspective of he's like 90, (laughs) and and he's seeing himself through the lens of who he is then and not who he was at the time, right? And I think that's something really healthy for all of us to talk about for just a moment right here on Easter because that's how God does things. If you read Matthew and Mark and Luke, you're going to read a story about John wanting to call fire down and kill everybody, (laughs) That ain't in John. (laughs) He left that part of the story way out. Uh, And one, people, people could say that he's defending his identity, but I actually, really, all jokes aside, I think he's showing you an example of him. He doesn't hold himself to who he was. He actually walks according to who God's made him. And so, but even in that moment, he recognizes, one, who did Jesus kind of leave as the leader of their group? Peter. So though John and his youthful zeal got to the tomb first, In wisdom, he waited in honor for the leader to go in first. And that's important because you see that even in, like, the most exciting moment of possibly his life, Jesus is back. He stayed in the place of honor. And that's beautiful. It's the same honor that had him at the foot of the cross and no other disciples at the foot of the cross. It's the same honor that has Jesus look at him and say, will you take care of my mother? And so Mary, at this point in the story, is actually staying with John. Right? It's the same honor. So, you know. We'll make more jokes about it, but as long as we know. I can't explain why Moses called himself the most humble, though. I I got nothing for you on that one. But this one makes sense. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Uh, can, Can we, like, talk about decency and order there for a second like how beautiful of a sentiment that was like Jesus just came back from the dead and he took the time to fold his cloth and make it look neat like there's something beautiful about that Uh, (laughs) and I think for some of you clean freaks like the OCD people you look and you're like he didn't fold the but so he folded it for you because he loves you so much like God's gonna meet all of us where we're at so he folded his cloth amen uh so verse eight let's keep rolling and then the other disciple who came to the tomb first (laughs) okay I'm sorry (laughs) He brought it back, um, went in also, and he saw and believed. That's the essence of comedy, by the way. You just keep a running joke rolling. And that, yeah, man. Uh, And he went in, and he saw and believed. For as they did not know the scripture, that, for they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And why is that important? Well, That's, that's super important because they didn't, they didn't have the knowledge yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't revealed to them that Jesus was supposed to resurrect. And so they came and saw that he had resurrected and they reported it without knowing that it was a confirmation of a prophecy. And that makes it even that much more real. Literally, in their ignorance, they're confirming prophecies, right? Because that's, that's how prophecy is gonna be. Prophecy is gonna be true no matter how we feel about it. <laughs> you know, and they're actually looking at this and thinking Jesus messed up, Jesus left, Jesus has failed us to some degree. Where is he? He was supposed to be here, and he was supposed to rule. And they're actually seeing prophecies fulfilled. Amen? And the, the, the strength of the... Uh, of the report gets strengthened when you recognize that they weren't trying to prove that he had resurrected because they didn't think that was the point, right? They did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Verse 10. It'll be a long 18 verses, I feel it. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, wait, whoa, where are we at? <laughs> That 's a good verse though, <laughs> like we could talk about that verse all day, and I probably will. Uh, then the disciples went away again to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping here 's where the pedal really hits the metal. See if you actually look and you take all of these accounts because this story is in all four verse all four books right here 's what you 're going to see you 're going to see Mary, Mary, and salami you 're going to see them see running jokes you 've got to bring it back. Uh, They see that Jesus, they see the tomb is rolled away, and they say they come back, right? And and when they told the story, they said that the people thought it was hearsay. They thought the ladies were lying. And only Mary comes back. And so what happened was the other two women, they got disappointed. They got let down. They got told you're crazy, and they bought into it. But there was a woman who was refusing. I don't care what anyone says. I know who I've met and I know who I've interacted with. And there's nothing in this world that's going to stop me from walking into what I know is God. Amen. So we see something different, something different in Mary that sticks. When Jesus' mom is like, well, maybe they're right. And she leaves. But Magdalene's like, no, I got nowhere else to go. Th- this, if he's not there, I got nothing. And so she goes back. Amen. And that's the gospel all on its own. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. How many times she looked into the tomb now? Twice. So we seeing? She's looking again. She's looking. She's looking again. Uh, and in chapter, t- verse 12, we're going to see. And she saw two angels in white sitting. And so the first time she didn't see that. See, she had to come back when everyone told her she was crazy. When even the one whom Jesus loved, and when Peter, the, the main disciple, when they left and they didn't believe anymore, and they had told her she was crazy and maybe something was a little wrong, Notice, see, she looked again. Amen? And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, and where Jesus' body had been laying, which if you want to do a fun little study, that's the mercy seat. Where the blood of Jesus is in the middle and there's the two angels on the side, that's the mercy seat. And she's the first person who gets to see that. Why? Because she looked again when everyone else said, you're crazy. Because when she saw what should be the death of a miracle, she believed a miracle was coming. Right when When she saw the end of everything they were hoping for, they saw their dreams tarnished and tattered. And come on, let's face it. Sometimes when God moves on our behalf and we assume that's not God and we get upset and we say, no, that's not God. And we don't look back at what God's doing and we miss what he's doing. But some people have it in them. They have a knack. They have something where they know God to such a degree that they're like, I don't like this, but this has to be God. And so I'm staying regardless. And that is the picture of Mary in this moment, um, where the body of Jesus had been laid. Verse 13. And then they said to her, woman. I'm offended. But um, they said to her, woman. Actually, fun fact, I went to the Greek on this one because <laughs> I just think it's a weird thing. Like if I shouted that at my wife, she'd punch me in the face. Uh, but I'm not an angel, so maybe she wouldn't punch an angel. I don't know. I've never seen her and an angel interact. So I can't speak to that. Uh, but when Jesus and his mom and his mom says, you know, pour the, the wine or the water, and Jesus says, woman, why are you coming at me like that? Um, if you look in the Greek, that actually means honored woman. That's what that word means. Right? And so Jesus isn't being, like, disrespectful to his mom. He's actually in particular calling her honored in the situation. Right? And he's saying to her in, a, like, a word for honor. Maybe, maybe kind of like how we use ma'am, except nowadays people get offended by that, how ma'am used to be. It was like the the honoring way to uh, approach an 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 elderly woman. Yes, ma'am. And so, but then the angel, it's the same word. And so the angel's actually honoring her and saying, honored woman, why are you weeping? Here's why that's beautiful. Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her just recently. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute just recently. God didn't care, and God called her honored. Now, I've never been prostitute and so it's, it's a lot it's when i see that it's easier to recognize that well man, how does god honor me then right that when god and his angels and they, and we're filled with the holy spirit and we believe in jesus christ our lord and savior the bible says that we become heirs and joint heirs with jesus christ and so we actually become honored even in heaven and in that place the angels are going honored woman why are you weeping i can't be honored you don't know my past no no you're honored by god but you don't know where I've been, Pastor West. Yeah, but you're honored by God. Yeah, but God doesn't care. He's given you the blood of his son. He's be, you've become a bride of Christ. You're part of the family. And you best know that no one's going to dishonor God's family. And so you're an honored man or you're an honored woman regardless of where you've been. And it doesn't matter where you were this morning. If you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are honored from above. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> not honoring in the sense that God looks, oh, you're above me. Of course not. But honoring you as a child. Honored woman, why are you weeping? If we could mentally stay in that place, right? Mentally stay in that. Even when you've messed up and you feel like God is far, but mentally stay in the place of recognition of what God actually thinks about you, I think we bounce back a lot quicker. But typically we assume to ourselves, man, I'm bad, and, and you don't know where I've been. And, and so we, we step back from God. But this demon-possessed in the past, prostitute in the past, does not care, and she's going to run to the foot of her God, and God's going to call her honored for it, amen, she said to them, I think this is the saddest verse in all of scripture, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him, and I know, in a lot of ways, it's not relevant to now, but I can, I can feel that sometimes when I'm in a moment, and I'm, and I don't know where God is in that moment, Right? And, and, and I'm kind of offended or I'm kind of hurt or I'm kind of upset. And and just know that actually God's in the room right now, right? <laughs> but but I, I don't know how many of you have ever been in that spot where you're hurt and you're just like, God, God, where are you? That's where Mary is. And it's Easter. <laughs> you know, she's supposed to be shouting victory, but what's happening instead? She's hurt. She doesn't know where God is. So where is she going to stand? The last place she saw him. Well, that's his own word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, verse 14. Now, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Now we're going to notice something later. The next time she sees Jesus, it's going to say she turned around again. So here's what happened: she's crying about Jesus. She sees an angel, by the way, still crying. She's still upset. Um, she looks back and sees Jesus standing there, and then she looks right back to her pain. Right. So instead of looking at her answer, she looks back at why she's hurting, right? Instead, that's right. That's what we do any time we let pain take us. We have to look away from God to experience it. And so what she's going to have to do is she's going to have to. She's going to have to look back at her answer and recognize it for what it is. Because I can't tell you how many times where God brought an answer to my circumstance right in front of my face. But I didn't like the answer, so I assumed it wasn't the answer. So I went back to my pain because actually the truth is sometimes my pain comforts me. And I'm not willing to look at the answer because that means things are going to have to change. Because the second she embraces Jesus for who he is, he's going to ascend. And she's never going to experience him like she's ever experienced him ever again. And maybe she's afraid. Amen? And he said, woman, why are you weeping? That's what the angel said. And she's not putting two and two together yet. (laughs) You know, because it's the same message from the same God. What does angel mean? So when an angel speaks, well, whose words is he speaking? And then Jesus comes, who is, and says the same thing. So it's still the same message, Right? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, which I I think is weird, but it's like nighttime still kind of like the sun's barely rising. Oh, it's the gardener. Um, In the empty tomb, and the gardener probably carried off this, what the world thinks is a religious zealot who tried to overtake Judaism. Yeah, the gardener probably moved him. Um, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And I will take him away. Now, here, here's something that I've never actually seen before until this study. She's embracing the fact that she's going to take care of Jesus' body for the rest of her life. She's like, if you don't want him in this tomb, I'll find somewhere. And so what did she submit her life to? She's going to be the gardener for Jesus now. Listen, here's the beautiful thing about Mary, and this is why I think this is such an important lesson. She had so put her eggs in only him that with him gone, the only thing she could do is just tend his body till she died. Right. She had so put everything she had that if this really is God, I've given you everything that I have and this is going to work out or it's not. But I'll be here either way. And that really is what Jesus meant when he said. Take your hand on the plow. Pick up your cross. Follow me. When Jesus is speaking this message, he's saying, die to yourself. And she's actually willing to. Because Peter said, Lord, I'm not going to leave you. But he's on a boat right now. And John's laying on his chest saying, I got your mama. But he's on a boat right now. And Thomas is saying, let's go die with Jesus. But what's he doing right now? He's not even with the group. He's out somewhere doing who knows what, right? Where is everyone? Only one. Amen. Amen. So if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Verse 16. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Yeah, I like that. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. He's not there. Broken now. Um, So here's the thing. Mary. Mary. Book of Isaiah. My sheep I call by name, and my sheep know my voice. So up to this point, it's been a man and a woman talking. But suddenly the authority of God comes in the room. Mary. And this sheep perks her ears up, and all of her brokenness is gone. In one moment, everything that she thought was falling apart, she looks again, and her answer is right in front of her. That's the gospel. That's what we're experiencing. I want to encourage you about something, because I've experienced it 99 times out of 100. And then the other time is because I'm in rebellion, right? Where, where God comes, and he brings me. Because here's, here's the truth. Most of the times when I'm in my struggle, you know what the answer is? Get on your knees and pray for like an hour. Honestly, it's usually the answer. But Futurama's on Hulu. (laughs) And we laugh, but that's what happens, (laughs) you know? Or, you know, my job, and so I got to. What is God calling us to do? Exactly. Don't do this to me. Um, What is God calling us to do? Because, see, here's what happened. She was in the same situation. It was a dead situation. What's the difference between before that moment and now? Thus saith the Lord from the God, from the God, from God, right? So in this moment, everything changed because God spoke into the situation, right? That's what we wait for as Christians. That's what we stand on. What is God speaking into the situation? Because that's what I'm going to hold on to, right? And she does. Mary, verse 17. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. I think she responded right. <laughs> right? Because let me tell you, that's truly the answer. If everything's falling apart and you're saying, God, where are you? I'd cling a little tighter. We only know where, we only know to go somewhere if we have other places to go. But she had tasted something so much sweeter than prostitution. But that's the only thing she could go back to. So she sat in her tomb waiting for her God, and then he spoke, and everything changed, God didn't bring new people into her life, God didn't change where she was standing, right, God didn't do anything, is the words of one of my favorite pastors, God didn't do anything environmental on her behalf, he just spoke, and that place of death became the place where the first person saw the risen Jesus, right, right, and so, see, what, see, God didn't change anything environmentally. Because so many of us, man, you know, I, me and God are going to be a lot better when I get this new job. But, see, the problem is that God can actually bless you when you're working the job you're working now. And me and God are going to do better when my husband or my wife or my friend or my kids, when they start acting better, that everything's going to be better with me and God. But he didn't do, see, they still thought she was crazy, but everything changed anyway. God doesn't need to change anything in your life to change everything in your life. Amen. And again, that's the gospel. <laughs> Amen? Um, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Uh, this is a really speculative verse, but let me just speculate on it for a second. I think he's telling her, don't get used to this. You're going to have to get used to following me when I'm not here. There's a lot of theories on it. Enjoy them all. That's my theory. I think Jesus is actually telling her, I'm about to leave. I haven't yet ascended. Don't cling to me. Not like this. There's a different way. And he's going to teach her a better way, right? (sighs) But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. 15 that's about right. One more verse. And then we're going to talk for 15 minutes and then we're done. And it's going to be awesome. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And the next thing they do is go fishing, but that is its own message. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, we pray for these last 15 minutes of this talk, Father God, and I pray that it would be anointed, God, I pray it would speak to the people, God, I pray that we would recognize the victory that we walk in, in every moment of every day, of every situation of our lives, God, and I pray that we would cling to those things, and we would cling to you, God, above all else, Lord, help us to throw away our other options, and be steadfast in the fact that it is you, and you alone, who is our answer. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. Now, I don't know, uh, something that we've all, probably all done, but this is important, and it's a good. You ever, like, been in the store maybe when you were a kid with your mom, and you're walking, and you're not really paying attention, and you're just like, yeah, every time. Uh, and, and so you just like you see your mom out of the corner of your eye, and then you walk up and like hold her hand, and then you're walking with her for like 10 minutes, and then you look up and that's not your mom. Like has that ever happened to you? Because that happened to me more than I want to admit. And actually, I still double take sometimes, like because sometimes uh, all y'all Russians, I love you. Sometimes you guys kind of look alike from the corner of the eye, and I'll go up to like hug my wife, and i will be like, wait, yeah, that's her. And then I'll come at it, and, and but like it's happened before, and I've actually been like, I hope I never do something like, you know, I think one of the best examples is, um, it's 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 awkward, but it's it's good for this moment, um. I was dating a girl in high school, and she had a cousin named Josh, and they looked exactly the same. And so one time I walked up to Josh and, like, put my arms around his waist and kissed his cheek in front of so many people. It was awesome. And I owned it. He got embarrassed. I owned it because I was like, I'm my de- father's son and I'm going to own this moment. And I'm like, Josh, what are you talking about? We do this all the time. And the people are freaking out. But like, so sometimes when we like catch things on the corner of our eye or we assume something, we embrace it as if it's a full fact, right? And that's a very real thing that happens to any of us. And if you're being honest, you can think of one time or another. Uh, yeah, I'm going to move on from the topic. Uh, but because yeah, I, I, you know how panic-inducing that is when you're, like, five and you, like, grab someone's arm and it's not your mom, but you totally thought it was? And then you're like, I'm lost. I'm going to die. I'm gone. Where is she? It's over, right? Um, but <laughs> that's real. And so I think sometimes we actually do that with God. Where we look at what he's doing, assume something about it, and we walk without fully focusing on what it is that God is doing, right? And so if we look, that's the experience Mary has found herself in. Jesus is in the room tomb has angels in it they're saying the same thing and she saw if she thought he was a gardener I don't know what she thought the angels were because like (laughs) there's angels like hey gardener why are you talking to me there's angels right here like you know like she's just not picking up what's being thrown down and there's two things I want us to really look at in these last few minutes thing one the question is why did God appear to Mary she's the first person he appeared to and we talked about it a little bit, uh, but I think it's important. I've heard people say things like God appeared to Mary because she was a woman and because he likes to appear to people who are rejected by society to show them that he's for them. Now I don't think that's wrong, but that's not why God appeared in this moment to her, right? Uh, maybe he appeared to her because of her ethnicity and he's appearing to Jews, right? So we have all these moments, but that's not why God appeared to Mary. God appeared to Mary because she was the faithful one who stood Where he was going to appear it could have been anyone but it was mary because she was the faithful one that stayed Right. And I think this is a really important factor that we see about God. and It's something that in Easter, I want us all recognize that if we really are walking in triumph. Right. If God really has resurrected and the power of God is in us at all times, does that mean then that we should sit wherever he's called us to sit? And if we feel God moving, we run. And if we feel him plant himself, we say, oh, this is home now. Right. Should we do that? Because if you look at Enoch in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that he walked with God, so God took him up. Only one if we look at Noah, when God wanted to flood the earth, he said that Noah was a righteous man, untarnished, right? And so, and so God took Noah, right? And so if we look at Samuel and why Samuel got called to be the last judge and the first of the prophets to bring in a king, well, why? Why did he pick Samuel? Well, Samuel's mom said she would consecrate him to the Lord. And if you actually read that section of scripture, when God's talking, Samuel's the only one in the temple. So why did God pick Samuel? Because Samuel was there being faithful. Right, and so, so Joshua followed Moses. Why did Joshua follow Moses? Why did after Moses died, did God pick Joshua? If you look in the Bible, it says that Joshua and Moses would sit in the, temple, the holy of holies. They would sit where God was, his presence was, and it says God would speak. And Moses would run to the people and preach their message and said, but the lad Joshua remained. And so when God was looking for a new leader, he didn't look out, where is everyone? He looked to the one who was there. He looked to the one who was being faithful. Can see that. Nathaniel and Philip, right? Philip's like, hey, Nathaniel, come meet Jesus. He's he's awesome. He's coming. And then they run back and Jesus goes, oh look, Nathaniel, a man with whom there's no deceit. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I saw you underneath the fig tree. One ancient rabbi teachings, the fig tree was a representation of the secret place of prayer. He goes, I just saw you praying. So I I became one of the twelve because I was praying. Anna, her husband died, so she goes into the temple, and she gives her life to it, and then they bring a little baby Messiah, and she gets to experience the Messiah. Why? Because She was there. Because She was faithful. Amen, and so Peter, the rock, right? Because he spoke what no one else would speak. And John, why are you get to watch after the mother of Jesus? Because I was at the foot of the cross, and so no one was at the foot of the cross. So Mary, why do you get to experience Jesus first before anyone else? Because I was there. And when God was like, hey, I'm coming back, and he preached his message, but she didn't want to receive it, and no one understood what was going on, she didn't know what to do, so she sat. And she waited on God. And then God showed up. And, and I want to talk to people who... As we're closing out here, and Aaron, if you want to come to the piano, just to make this whole ear. um, (laughs) Because that's how we do. Um, As her and her faithfulness is what let him see. So here's the question, Then I think the more relevant question for us. Why was she so faithful? Why Mary? Why Mary? Well, if you go back, there was another Mary. We call her Mary of Bethany. And Mary of Bethany was... Washing Jesus' feet with her own tears. And other people in the room got really uncomfortable about that. Right? And by the way, let's just do round two of another lady who was breaking her one year's jar worth of perfume and anointing Jesus. And people were uncomfortable about that. And what does Jesus say about those women in those stories? He says, those who have been forgiven of much, love much. And by the way, I don't think he was saying to the Pharisee, because she's so much worse than you, she loves you more. I think you don't think you have sins. But she recognizes she has sins. And so because she recognizes that she can't be here without me, she's crying and washing my feet. But you're not because you th- you don't think you need God. See, that was the experience that she's having. And here's how we know if we've really given our sins to God, really. When everything falls apart, do you stay or do you run? Because if you run, then... There's something you haven't let go of, right? But Mary's in a place where she had nowhere else to go. I mean, if we want to be honest and really think about it, she was a prostitute, right? How many terrible ways had another man touched her? And the first time Jesus reached out to her, did she flinch back? Is it possible that she did? But he touched her to pray for her and to make her clean. And no when other man paid her to make her dirty. He paid it all to make her clean, right? And so when she had nowhere else to go because she wasn't going to go back to that life because I've been made clean and you won't catch me back in that pit. She had nowhere else to go. So she sat. So why did Mary stay? Because those who have been forgiven much love much and she had nowhere else to go. Peter, I thought you said you had nowhere else to go. Well, I can go back to my job as a fisherman. I'm not going back. And so if you're dead, this is where I'll be. Because I've tasted freedom from this and I will not go back. And that is the beauty of Easter. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? then do not let the enemy bring you back. And if you feel those moments where maybe the enemy wants to bring you back, you got to do what she did, and you got to plant. And maybe if everything's falling apart, and you think to yourself, man, God, how could you not show up in this situation? I think God should do this. If God did this, everything would be okay. But she doesn't demand that from God. She plants herself and says, I'm going to stay the last place I saw you because you're all I've got. Put all your eggs in one basket. That's one of my major sayings I say around here all the time. And I say it for that reason. If you have somewhere else to go, you eventually will. I promise. Because none of us are strong enough without him. Because really, truly, he is our strength. And so if we feel distant from him, then we're distant from our strength. And so then we're weak. And so then we'll run. But can I encourage you just to worship? Can I encourage you in those moments where it seems like I just want to quit or I want to fall down? to rise and thank God for what he's done for you. I've had something happen the last few weeks, and I don't usually talk about these kind of things, so they, they, because they seem kind of self-serving, but I actually want to talk about them three times in this past week. I've had someone walk up to me and say something along the lines of, I want to love God like you love God. And people will ask me why, and actually I can give a definitive answer on why I can never go back. It's because I know where I should be. Truly, with my past, I should be in a tunnel right now with a needle in my arm. I shouldn't be on the stage preaching about the freedom of God, but that's where I am. I should be with a woman that I don't love, with a kid along the way, because I'm never never—I'm not being wise. I'm drunk half the time. I'm lost. But no, instead, I have a beautiful wife who loves God, who betters me, who doesn't hold me back, but pushes me forward, and who's bringing a beautiful baby along the way. But I shouldn't have those things. I shouldn't. And so when everything wants to fall apart, and people, people say, how could you stand strong in situations like this or situations like that? It's like, because this is way better than where I should be. And that's true of any of us. And that was true of Mary. Well, why don't you go back? It's too sweet over here. The most bitter day in the kingdom is sweeter than the sweetest day on, on, in this earth. Amen? And It wasn't always like that. But it is now. Why? Because he has risen. And Because whenever I feel like a situation is falling apart, maybe I should look again and see what it is that God actually wants to do in that situation. Because can I tell you that in the book of Philemon, this man was robbed by his slave. And then Paul brought this man to conversion and sent the man back to Philemon. And he said, maybe you experienced all that heartache for this. And so we get from a perspective from Paul is maybe you're going through what you're going through so that through the glory of what's going to happen tomorrow. And so Mary planted and she wept and she continued to look for the God that she knew was coming. And that's Easter. Amen. Love you guys. I'm grateful for all of you. I hope uh, that this would maybe have spoken to you that maybe that there was Something in your life that you recognize, man, I want to run, but you're right, I need to stand strong, and I want to pray for a couple people here real quick. Um, Person one, um, if this message spoke to you in any way. Because um, I know it spoke to me, but messages like this can speak to us in a variety of ways. If there's an area that maybe you recognize I'm not as strong as I should be, or I'm not, I'm not believing that God is going to come back or that he's going to show up in this situation. Or really, I've just decided the situation's all bad and there's nothing good about it. And then maybe we look at things and we get to that, you know, what we call stinking thinking. Or we think about a situation like we shouldn't because we recognize that God works all things for the good of those who love him. That's the Easter message. And then maybe I've lost sight of that. Well, I'd like to pray for you today. Um, And the last group is if you were to continue to read after the verse section of Scripture that I had sent, you'll see there were two men walking down a road. And then on that road, Jesus begins to walk with them, but they don't recognize that it was Jesus. And Jesus, as he's walking, he begins to teach them things about him. And at the end of that message, you see they become full-blown converts. And the Bible says they were disciples before, but they become so convinced of God by the end of that moment. And maybe some of you here don't know Jesus. I want to encourage you about something because of how good our God is. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he's been walking with you anyway. I want to encourage you that God is a loving God and that even when we're faithless, he still has to be faithful for his character and he cannot deny who he is. And so maybe some of you are walking in this room who don't know him and here's the thing, he walked you here. Amen? And this is an opportunity to get to know him in a way you haven't known him before. Or maybe your thing is, you know what? I'm realizing I don't love God like I thought I did. We See, we can respond two ways. One, we can condemn ourselves and assume God's mad at us for that. We could recognize God let me understand that today so I could love him deeper. Amen? We'll look at everything as a setback or an opportunity. And in the kingdom, it's all an opportunity. Amen? All of it. And I don't care what it is. And some, some of the situations would be heartless to say. And you go, well, is this an opportunity? And it sounds like it's not, but but God's going to work all things for his good. I experienced something in my life as a child that I won't get into here because we don't have time that I've, I don't think I've ever talked to more than like two or three people about. And then the other night someone called me in the exact same situation. And it took, I think I was 12, so it took 13 years for me to see it as an opportunity, but it suddenly became one. Amen. Um, but I want to pray for you. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray. Um, and a Papa Bear wants to say something. And then after he says that, we'll maybe shift into worship or shift into prayer. We'll just flow with it and see what God does. Uh, but if you came in here and you decided that you need a prayer for one of these things, or you wanted a prayer for Jesus into your life, go to one of the lead intercessors. And if you guys will stand up real quick, just so they can see you guys. The lead intercessors. Sorry, not everyone. The lead intercessors will stand up. Um y'all today. Yeah, three. Uh, Walk up to one of them and they're going to pray with you with whatever you need, okay? Uh, So, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for everyone in this room. pray that we'd look again at your goodness, God. That we wouldn't assume the worst of any situation that we're in, Father God, but we know that you're setting us up for success because you are loving God and you are into glorifying your kingdom, God. God, I pray that you would keep us attached and focused to your kingdom above all else. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for his sacrifice and his resurrection, God. And I pray that anyone in this room who doesn't know that and hasn't experienced that to the degree that you've called them to, God, I pray that you would show yourself, God, that you would reveal yourself, Father, God, that they begin to feel you and understand that you are real and you are there. For we know that salvation comes through you and you alone, God, and our dependence is on you and you alone. So, Lord, I love you. We praise you. And in Jesus' name we say Amen. I know we ended on kind of a somber tone, uh, but if you guys want to give a shout for Jesus, because he is risen and we really are victorious and we really have won. And uh, it's all good things. Amen. I love you guys. I hope you guys have a great Easter.